0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. As you can hear the noise in the background here in the dressing room at Maple Leaf Gardens. The dressing room with the Stanley Cup champions for the second year of succession, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They defeated the Detroit Red Wings tonight by a score of 3-1. And a dramatic ending it was before a crowd of 14,403. The Leafs led one to nothing at the end of the first period on a goal by Dave Keon from George Armstrong at 1744. In the second period, Ellie. Tell me his second Stanley Cup winner. So that generally is the story to the moment. And of course, Sid Abel was very, very proud of his Detroit Red Wings in this series. Brian Hall from the Gardens.
1: You have not gone back in time to nineteen sixty-three. We played that a little bit earlier. It was on this morning, Flashback Fridays on 630 Chad Mornings with Chelsea and Shay. They'll be going through some decades here over the next few weeks. The sixties today. And uh, I believe it was Morley Scott, our EE play-by-play announcer and our morning sports anchor here on 630 Chat, who found, where did you find that voicer, Halsey from 1963, Morley?
2: Well, he was working at a Chum station back then, and I found it on an archived uh, a, a website where they have all sorts of old things from uh, Chum Radio in Toronto in its heyday. So it uh, I knew it existed, and it took a little bit to find it, but I found it, it took me about an hour, hour and a half of searching and poking and prodding and looking around and finding it. Uh, we had some great stuff this morning. We also played... Uh, uh, Some stuff from Muhammad Ali and and some some play-by-play of his uh, first win in 64, I think it was, over Sonny Liston to become the world heavyweight champ for the first time. We heard Joe Namath guarantee the uh, Super Bowl win in 1969. And we also heard Greg Pilling talk about the game-winning goal that he scored for the Edmonton Oil Kings when they won the Memorial Cup. I think it was 63 or 64 that he scored the game-winning goal to win the Memorial Cup. So, yeah, we went back in time. It was a lot of fun this morning.
1: (laughs) And and what else is going on with that for for Flashback Friday's?
2: While well, we're doing it every Friday. Uh, we talked a lot today about music, too, and about, all, of course, all the news events. Randy Kilburn did a great job putting together a package of, uh, of all the major news events. And, of course, there was two that really stuck out and that was uh, JFK being assassinated and the moonwalk and those were two things of people of a certain age, if you're old enough to remember it, you remember that day, you remember where you were who you were with and and where you were watching it and uh, those two two biggest I think news items, we talked a lot of music and TV and movies as well Uh, this coming Friday, a week today we'll do the 70s and then uh, the next week the 80s, 90s and then the final week will be uh, the 2000s and the 2010s, five Fridays in uh, October and we're going to flashback on each and every one of them it was a lot of fun this morning the texts were incredible everybody texting in and talking about their memories of the 60s was kind of fun too we talked a little fashion as well about the i don't know if you wore the uh the mini skirt and the go-go boots back in the day uh reed but uh they were they were the big they were the big fashion items that came out of the 1960s
1: Uh, well i I did not wear those but that's uh, that's pretty cool and you've and you've talked to somebody pretty prominent on the edmonton sports scene i understand
2: (coughs) I did. I had this week. I had a, uh, an amazing conversation uh, with Kevin Lowe. I, I enjoyed it a lot because I, I lived so much of what we talked about as a fan, and then as a as a broadcaster with the Oilers. We t- I talked to him for pretty much every decade after after the '60s because he, of course, was a member of uh, the Oilers' first Stanley uh, first team that played in the NHL in 1979, when there was so much excitement in the city about the NHL coming to Edmonton. Finally, uh, uh, then we talked about the 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 glory years of the 80s and and the Stanley Cup Years and just how special watching those teams were. And I think most of us didn't realize at the time how special it was. But um, we are talking about, I think about all the Hall of Famers from those teams that all played together uh, and were coached by a Hall of Famer as well in, in, in Glenn Sather. So we talked about that. And then uh, we got into the 90s a little bit. And, and when Kevin Lowe came back to the Oilers, uh, he, of course, returned for the 1996-97 season. And that was the year after some down years in Edmonton. And if you're around then, you know the, the attendance was dropping. The team wasn't very good. There was not a lot of interest in the team. And then Todd Marchant scores in overtime in Game 7 in that Dallas series. And it just uh, uh, reignited, I think, uh, the love that this city has for the team. And, and we talk about coming home uh, about a, a few days later, after they went to Denver to play two games against the Avalanche in the next series, coming home in the middle of the night, and there was probably three, 400 fans at the airport chanting and cheering as they walked out of the customs area in, in what was the old International area airport so we talk about that and then of course into the into the 2006 run as well we talked an awful lot about that so you'll hear those over the next few fridays and a little bit probably i guess on inside sports as well as we move forward so i'm, I'm really looking forward to it because uh, it was a lot of fun this morning
3: yeah
1: that's pretty cool thanks for yeah that's going to be awesome uh and also you're going to be a little busier here we are going to have an ee football team coaches show starting monday with scott milanovich uh i've always enjoyed Uh, Hearing you on this show over the years, and and when Riley was here, we had some special segments with him as as well. And uh, Milanovic, I I mean, I'm I'm really interested in hearing Milanovic because he's he's had a a very a very varied career. I mean, he's done a lot of different stuff, and and he's choosing here to come back to the (coughs) the CFL.
2: Yeah, sure has. He's he's worked with a lot of great quarterbacks. He's worked with a few teams in the CFL. He's played in the old XFL. Uh, I believe he played over in uh, in Europe as well for a little bit uh, in NFL Europe uh, and uh, he's been he's been all over the world as far as football goes. So it's going to be cool to get, to get to know him a little bit. And that's the thing that I think we've missed out with, with no football is that we haven't got to have those conversations with guys. All we've talked about is what are you doing? How are you staying in shape? What are you doing? How are you building your playbook? How are you feeling about not being able to coach, not being able to play Play, what do you think of the season being canceled? Those are the kind of things we've talked about. We haven't had the opportunity really to go in depth with a lot of guys and and just find out, uh, you know, get some great stories about their their journeys and their path to the to the Canadian Football League. So we'll uh, we'll go in depth a lot more uh, on uh, Monday nights with uh, Scott Milanovic. It's the Double E Coaches Show, and uh, we'll go 7:30 to 8 o'clock uh, for the next few Monday nights uh, and uh, just get to know him a little bit because he's on. I think he's only been in town a couple of times since he took the job. He of course, had to finish off the season with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL, where he was quarterback's coach, uh, and then... Uh, Took the job. I came to Edmonton in January when it was absolutely freezing cold. I remember his introduction press conference. uh, Cars were littered all over the streets because they wouldn't start, and uh, that was his first uh, kind of uh, indoctrination to Edmonton uh, as the the head coach of the Double E. uh, Getting here when it was minus 35. So, uh, and then I think he was back around the draft and free agency time. So it is, uh, it is going to be, uh, it is going to be interesting getting to know him a little bit and hearing some of his stories so i'm really looking forward to it and we've talked to him i know you've talked to him a couple of times i've talked to him a couple of times and he's a, he's a real good interview. he's a good talker so it should be a lot of fun
1: yeah and he was as you said he had to stay in florida for quite a while so i'm glad he is up here i assume though you guys will be he's, he's you're not going to be face to face though it's <laughs> still going to no, be a he's little conscious he's,
2: Flo- he's still in florida he'll be on the oh he is florida, okay sure. and uh, And I'll be uh, I'll be upstairs at my house in my office. So, yeah, no, we won't be face to face and we won't be at the station, but we'll get it on the air. Kellen will have to do all that
1: work. Okay. yeah, I'm curious to hear more from Milanovic, too, because when I spoke to him the day the CFL season was canceled, he said we can't leave the public consciousness for potentially you know 14 months or or whatever it would have been at the time i guess a little less than that but um so so i'm not surprised he's doing this and i think he would like to get his players into the community as much as possible that's obviously extremely tough uh without a season and and, and with covid but yeah you you gotta i mean you gotta you, you gotta keep the the team and the brand out there somehow
2: absolutely right and especially I think the situation this team is in with with not only just the shutdown and the cancellation of the season but with the name change as well they they've got to be out there in the marketplace a little bit more I think and I know that's what what they're planning to do so uh, it is it is going to be an interesting time between now and and when we get football going again in the Canadian Football League we'll probably talk a little NFL football because that's the football that we get to watch right now uh, that and a little college football so um, yeah it, it, I think it's- it's very important for, for Scott to be out and about and have the team out a little bit and, and, and in whatever way they can manufacture. And, you know, it's going to, a lot of it's going to be virtually zoom meetings and stuff like that, but just somehow get to the fans and get their message out to the fans and, and get the players to, to have some conversation with the fans so that everybody remembers that the green and gold are still around.
1: Scott a text here from Richard, who's been very passionate about the football team. And, Richard, I appreciate that. He says, any chance we can at least call it the Edmonton football team? EE sounds absolutely stupid. We all know what the E stands for. Richard, not for me. I love calling them the EEs. And they're probably going to have an E name.
2: Technically... (laughs) Technically, we don't know what that E stands for. Actually, we <laughs> know what the first point. E stands for—Edmonton. The second E, we don't know what it stands for yet. I—I uh, I don't know when they're—they're they're planning to make any kind of an announcement. I know that uh, they're very busy with their—with their research, and they're—they're they're really going in depth because they've got to obviously get this right and make the right move, and they've got to launch it correctly. Uh, and that's—that's that's another thing. I know that the office is really working on diligently is to put the put the name. In place and all all we know is as of right now it's going to be green and gold and it's going to be an e-name so like i heard from somebody said they've got it narrowed down anywhere between elephant and escargot so somewhere in there they've got a name (laughs)
1: so all right fair enough uh yeah somebody else doesn't like me calling it the ee sorry everybody i I, I like it i'm going to keep using it uh i i it's easier to say than saying edmonton football team every time just say ee so you got to remember that too when you're hosting a radio show sometimes you have to have an economy of words uh morley scott who's the play-by-play voice for the edmonton football team joining us on six three shed dirk says the double e rolls off the tongue better yeah i don't mind that sometimes i i I say that but they're going to have a name eventually uh and the nhl draft is coming up tuesday and wednesday uh you did you get to attend the draft a lot when you were doing oilers morley
2: Yeah, I did. I went to I went to a few drafts uh, over the years. Uh, Drafts are always a fun time because it's really the only time uh, during the hockey season where you see everybody. Right. Every coach, every GM, every media guy, everybody is there. And uh, the stories are plentiful uh, as uh, as you know, every time you turn around, you're hearing a rumor. Uh, I always love doing the drafts, uh, broadcasting the drafts because, you know, the kids were so excited to get picked and they're so happy and they're and, and you know you'd see the stars in their eyes and everybody's so hopeful didn't turn out for a lot of them as the years rolled on uh with every team that happens with every team right uh, but uh yeah the draft's a lot of fun to cover it uh, it's going to be weird this year seeing it uh, you know i don't know what it's going to look like i don't know if it'll look like what the nfl did or, or how they're going to do it but it's going to be weird to see it done in a virtual style with with not everybody in one place
1: yeah, all over Zoom or whatever they're, they're going to use and uh, everything done virtually, and, and that's how it's going to be for this year. And the is set to draft 14th, and we don't know who they're going to take. It, the draft, though, morally, it's, it's really, to me, replaced the trade deadline. I mean, the draft is always exciting in itself, but now there are so many more bigger deals around draft time in terms of trade. The trade deadline, I think, over the last five, six, seven years has really declined in suspense and big moves. There might be a couple, but I I mean, you can remember years where it's like, oh my God, there's like seven blockbusters on deadline day as all these teams jockey for the Stanley cup next week's going to be the draft. And it's probably going to be the real start of trading season. And then we get right into free agency on Friday.
2: Yeah, the trade deadline has uh, has kind of just turned into the dispersal of rental players, basically, right? You're just you're just trading guys on expiring contracts, or a, or a lot of minor leaguers seem to get moved on trade deadline day as well. But yeah, heading into the draft, that's when there's so many moves that are made. That's when the big stars get traded. That's when a lot of the big moves get made because it's a lot easier to trade those those high end contracts in the off season when you don't have to. Do the math on the salary cap with how many remaining days you have in the season and stuff like that. And I, I think, you know, even from a marketing perspective, you sell more tickets. When you make those moves at the deadline or at the draft, than you do at the trade deadline. So yeah, the, the trade deadline has really changed over the years in the draft and leading into free agency. That's where that's where the big fish are because I think teams go into the draft thinking, okay, I'm going to try and acquire this centerman, and if I can't get this centerman, then I'm going to go after this centerman in unrestricted free agency. And I think it's kind of a, a two-step process and if teams get what they want trade-wise at the draft or around the draft then that changes how they go after uh, and who they go after in in unrestricted free agency because of course it also changes how much money they have to spend as well so the teams that don't get what they want via trade they're the ones that become real active come free agency time a few days later.
1: Morley, it's always great to have you on the show. I, it's, thanks for staying up late. I guess it's a Friday, so you can afford to do it.
2: Oh, Friday night. Fridays are great. I stay up to like 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock sometimes on a Friday, so I don't mind. You're a wild man. Have fun,
1: buddy. <laughs> Talk to you, Reed. That's my good buddy, Morley Scott, from the 630 Chet Sports Department, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton football team. I'll try to cater to everybody and cycle through the different names that we're using for the team. I, I can't even remember the last time I saw Morley. It was probably uh, late March or early April. That's going to be good, though. The uh, Edmonton football team coaches show will debut Monday at 730 with Scott Milanovich. It is 20 after 7. Game 2 has tipped off. And it's the Lakers leading Miami 14-11, five minutes into the first quarter. We're back after the break. Oh, what's this one, Kellan? This is the Tigers of Pan-Pang with the song White Lines. Roadhammer. Oh, there we say. go. Who requested this? Roadhammer. Champion of the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Great stuff, Roadhammer. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Lakers up twenty Four minutes left in the first quarter. We will keep you updated there. Jake Neighbors from your Edmonton Oil Kings coming up after the 7.30 news. I had to talk to Jake uh, earlier in the day, so this won't be on live. We did tape with him. And uh, one of the uh, weird draft questions he was asked by one of the teams in a pre-draft interview Uh, There's a $20 bill on the floor of a public washroom. There's a $100 bill in the toilet bowl of the public washroom. Which one do you pick up? I put that poll on Twitter right now, 77% for the 100, 23% for the 20. Again, I I would ask what else is in the bowl. Maybe I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, but uh, that's where I would be on that one pretty fun Tyler Wright director of amateur scouting for the Oilers they owe Calgary a third rounder this year or next what's going to happen
0: we're prepared to to make the pick we're prepared to give the pick up I think we have to determine you know if we make the pick is that pick a a value pick at, at this stage so many things happen so quick on draft day um you may want to be able to trade back you may want to do it but you have to have a willing partner as well to to be able to you know give you the assets that that you want to to move back at the end of the day you know i know what picks we have can we gain more picks we could lose more picks um you know it, it really depends on kind of how everything unfolds and um are we going to make the pick? I can't tell you if we're going to make the pick in the third round or not. If, if there's somebody there that we deem that we like and with, with that pick, we'll make the pick. If, if not, you know we have, we have opportunity to to trade back and recoup um, or we give it up. So I mean I think, I think that's, that's really a decision for for day two. Let's get through day one first.
1: All right, that's uh, Tyler Wright, and you get more of his comments on 630Ched.com. He was on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer, so you can get the podcast or go to the show page to hear that full interview. Updating the baseball playoffs here, Padres leading the Cardinals 1-0 in the sixth. That series is tied 1-1, and the Marlins have defeated the Cubs 2-0. They win the series 2 games to nothing. All right, we'll get to that interview with Jake Neighbors when we get back to Inside Sports. <laughs> The Lakers looking good early in game two of the NBA Finals. 27 21 lead on the Miami Heat late in the first quarter. We'll keep you updated here on Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780 496 0063 is how you can call or text. Uh, this texture says I'm sticking with calling the football team the Esks. It's not the previous formal name, but it's as familiar as it gets. Jim Germany would agree, I think. Dropping the old school running back's name, Jim Germany. He's, uh, yeah, man, I was a very young little guy when Jim Germany was playing. I vaguely remember him. I think he was pretty good. If we're still talking about him, he must have been pretty good. Former D-man Mark with his nightly text. Mark finished 114th in Norris Trophy voting in 1983. He says, good evening, Reed. I can't put into words how peeved I am with the NHL in regards to the conditional third rounder Edmonton is giving up to the Calgary. They opened Pandora's box by prorating Neal's points. Heck, why stop there? Why didn't they prorate every NHLers point totals so they could get to their bonuses? Why didn't they prorate all the trade deadline deals? Those teams didn't get value. Maybe instead of a second rounder given up in trade, maybe it should be adjusted to a second and a half rounder. Seriously, I think they easily could have gone with what was put on paper. I guess they like to step in it and walk around the house. In My estimation, they set a precedent that was unnecessary. Well, I generally agree with you, Mark. I mean, if you're going to prorate that, why not prorate everything? Uh, but they didn't. So... And you're probably preaching to the choir with, I'm guessing, mostly Oilers fans listening to the show. We do have some uh, Cowtown listeners, Cowtown Bob often text into the show. But, yes, uh, I was surprised that they made that ruling. I I was surprised that they made that ruling. Because initially we had word that, well, the season ended and they're just going to deal with the numbers as they are. But then they prorated it and Edmonton had to give up the third round or it'll be this year or next. Well, our next guest will get drafted next week. Will it be on Tuesday in the first round? Will it be on Wednesday in the second round? Maybe in the third? We're going to find out from the Edmonton Oil Kings. It is Jake Davers. Jake, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing good, Reed. Thanks for having me back on the show.
1: It is good to talk to you again. Really appreciate it. And, well, we usually would have been doing this interview probably in the middle of June, but here we are at the start of October how are you feeling with the draft coming up in a few days? Are you are you bouncing off the walls here? Are, are you calm? Tell us what you're going through.
3: Yeah, I'd say that's probably an understatement. I'm very, very excited. And, um, you know, I've been waiting for this moment for a while now. It's been delayed a little bit, obviously, with um, what's going on in the world. So, um, you know, I'm very, very excited and also some nerves running through me as well.
1: Yeah, I bet. T- take me back here. I mean, man, the Oil Kings were having a great season. A lot of people picking you to go deep in the WHL playoffs, maybe even win it all. I, I guess we'll never know. But what what were those days like in March, where, okay, we're on pause. Oh no, we're not even going to get to finish. What was that like?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's nerve wracking for sure. I think, um, you know, obviously, like you said, there we had a very strong team, and um, you know, I think we were all poised to to push for a very good playoff run, and um you know to not see that go through was obviously pretty disappointing and um you know those days in March where you're kind of waiting on the word of the season where um you know you're definitely eager waiting on you know some some sort of decision and um you know obviously it wasn't the one i think we were all looking for so
1: well, how were you able to stay in shape over the summer i talked to a few players who maybe because being at home or quarantined for a while, they didn't have access to workout uh, equipment and facilities that they, they might usually have. Did you have to pull off some adjustments
3: along the way there? Yeah, kind of right off right off the bat when we got home, um, you know, I was working out in Ozzy Wiesbott's garage. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get get some weights and, and a bar and some other stuff from, from our trainer's gym that uh, you know he lent out to us. so we kind of had a little mini gym set up in, in his garage and um, you know we're doing most of our training out of there for the start of the summer until um, you know the gym was opened back up and uh, we were able to get in doing full training sessions and ice times and everything like that. So um, you know there was definitely some adjustments for me and I'm sure everyone um, with this summer but um, you know, that's what makes it worthwhile I guess.
1: What kind of uh, things were you focusing on, maybe with, with your fitness or parts of your body you wanted to improve, even with all the uncertainty? I mean, you will play hockey again at some point, so well, what, if anything, were some individual focuses here?
3: Yeah, I think um, you know. Obviously, with this much time and um, you know the amount of free time you have with with the COVID summer, is um, you know I think it was an advantage. I think you know personally I took it as an opportunity to to really develop my game and um, you know obviously focusing on specific things like skating and um, you know even scoring, improving my scoring touch and. Um, you know things like that. So you know I think moving on to the next level, if I want to play in the NHL, um, you know there's definitely a lot of things that need to be um, you know touched up on for sure, but um, you know I was really focused on my speed, my explosiveness, and um, you know becoming a lot more stronger and effective this year.
1: Did you talk to any uh, any teammates or any buddies maybe who have been through the draft process? maybe Matthew Robertson, uh, a teammate who was taken by the Rangers in 2019, did you try to Get some uh, get some info on those guys and what this whole draft or is like.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know I reach out to guys like obviously Robbie throughout the season, um, you know, helping me with. Um, you know, whatever I, my, my, I might need as, in terms of advice uh, moving forward, talking to scouts and things like that. Um, you know, he's obviously a huge help for me and, um, you know, as he went through it last year and, um, you know, also a guy like Trey Lansky I think, um, you know, Fixie had a bit of a different route to getting drafted and, um, you know, a different route of, uh, you know, making it to that next level. So, um, you know, that's also a guy I, I really look to for advice in, in terms of, uh, you know, impressing scouts and, um, you know, things I can do on the ice to, to make myself stand out a little bit more and, um, you know, all these little tips and tricks that, um, you know, these guys can give you that are so valuable. So, um, you know, I was definitely trying to be, in, uh, be a sponge and take it all in.
1: Jake Neighbors from your Edmonton Oil Kings joining us tonight on Inside Sports happened over the summer or in the last few months with teams I mean did the interview process stay up did teams want to talk to you I mean usually there'd be the combine or all that kind of stuff but um, were you doing zoom calls were you answering emails because obviously they want to get to know the person a little bit as well as the player but they would have had to do that I would think a little differently than normal
3: yeah for sure I think uh, you know right when the season ended um, it was pretty busy. It was almost like an online combine and, um, you know, doing interviews almost every other day with teams. And, um, you know, like you said, they, they really do want to get to know you as a person as, um, you know, they're looking to make a long-term investment as you, in you as a player and as a person with their organization. So, um, you know, it's definitely important to hop on those Zoom calls and, um, you know, show your personal side of, of who you are and, and things like that. So, um, you know, it's definitely a different situation though. That's for sure in terms of, uh, um, you know, hopping on and doing all these interviews online and things like that was was definitely different, but um, you know, it was enjoyable and, and a very cool experience in itself. How many teams talked to you if you don't mind me asking? Uh quite a few. I think uh I got pretty much everyone except for one if I'm uh if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly. So
1: Alright. I, I always ask this for the for the young men going into the draft. Uh was there a question that you found maybe a little unusual or or caught you off guard?
3: Uh, Yeah, I had one that, you know, I didn't get too many. uh, You know, I'd obviously heard stories that, um, you know, teams will try to hit you with a curveball every once in a while to see how you react to it and things like that. But, um, you know, I think one of the weirder questions I got, um, which wasn't even, um, you know, that bad of a question, I guess, was um, would you rather pick up a $20 bill that you find on a bathroom floor um, in a public restaurant, or would you rather pick up a $100 bill that's in the toilet bowl of a public bathroom, so that was one of the weird ones I got, so I'd have to say that one, probably.
1: Dare I ask what your answer
3: was? Uh, I said both. (laughs) Oh, nice. There you go. (laughs) So, a a bit of a yeah, a bit of a tricky answer, kind of a trick question maybe. I don't know if I hit it on the nose or not, but I guess we'll see.
1: Okay, that's, that's an interesting <laughs> one. I've not heard, yeah. heard that one before. I think was, yeah. somebody told me they had one about donuts a couple of years ago. I can't remember the exact thing, but there's. A, sometimes I think they're doing that just to see if you have an answer, just to see if you can yeah. think it on your feet.
3: Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, see if you can keep a conversation, um, kind of think on your feet, see your social skills. It's definitely, there's definitely some uh, some reasoning to, to both why they ask those questions, I think.
1: Yeah. I got the list in front of me, and, and look, you know there's all these mock drafts and rankings out there, but, but the uh, central scouting for the NHL has you 26th among North American skaters. Are you... I, mean, I, I obviously you know i'm sure you want to get drafted as high as possible but are you like i want i really want to be in the first round or are you just rolling with wherever you get picked i just wondering if you have an approach there
3: yeah i think um you know i'm going in there open-minded i think um you know a player like me um you know i have a wide variety of range that i can go in um you know i think uh there's been a lot of interest shown and, and things like that but you, you really never know. And. Um, At the end of the day, I think I'm just excited for wherever I get picked. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to go to a team that wants me and, and, you know, wants the best for me. And, um, you know, that I have a chance of making, you know, as soon as I can. So, um, you know, I'm just very excited to get selected by a team and, you know, kind of hit that restart button and, and start working towards another roster spot.
1: Has, has there anything teams or or your own staff at the Oil Kings has I like, has a, and I know you touched on some things you're working on earlier, but where they've said this, the, these are some definite steps you have to take in the next two or three years to be an NHL player? Have you have you got that anything that specific from anybody?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know I'm a guy who loves to ask for feedback and I, you know really look into the weaknesses of my game to see how I can improve them and. Um, You know, so when I talk to NHL teams or, you know, even my coaches or or whoever it may be, uh, you know, I take everything to account. And I think some of the common things are, um, you know, obviously my skating. I think, um, you know, a lot of teams commented that I have a good top speed. It's just, um, you know, kind of getting to that top speed a a bit quicker is um, definitely something I'm trying to improve upon. And, um, you know, also, you know, my shot totals were very high. Um, and my shooting percentage was pretty low. So, um, you know, trying to trying to fix that a little bit and become more of an effective scorer and shooter um, is definitely something I'm looking at for sure. Um, you know, trying to have my hands quicker through traffic, um, all these types of things that need to be developed to kind of get to that next level. But, um, you know, kind of those three in specific.
1: Yeah, well said. Those are great goals to have. What, what about otherwise in, in, in the summer? I, again, so unusual in terms of keeping busy. Any hobbies, maybe, or did you find yourself watching a lot of hockey, basketball, golf, or anything along the way?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know my group of friends and I—we love to be outdoors. So, um, you know, one of our number one hobbies this summer was was playing spike ball. Um, you know, we'd get out in the field and, and you know play spike ball for hours on end in the sun, or um, you know other things we like to do—go down to a river, the Bow River here in Calgary—and just kind of enjoy the sun and um, you know relax a little bit. Um, you know, I've also obviously watched a, a ton of hockey and um you know some basketball as well. I love I love watching basketball, so um, you know, I'm trying to trying to make the most out of these times right now. Any uh,
1: well, I won't just say any NHL players. Any any athletes that you really look up
3: to? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. Um I really love I love Kyle Lowry, I think. Um, You know, what he does for the Raptors and how he leads and, um, you know, everything like that is is just so admirable. Everything he does, uh, for sure. I've definitely become a huge Kyle Lowry fan in the last couple years um, since I've started following basketball a little bit closer. And, um, you know, obviously I could name a ton of NHLers that I've lucked up to my whole life, but that's kind of a new one on the horizon. I think that he's kind of came up.
1: Yeah, popular guy for sure. Well, Jake... Thanks for checking in. Maybe we'll talk uh, next week once once you're actually selected, but thanks for letting everybody know what the journey's been like over the last few months, and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for your time.
3: Thanks for having me on again, Reid. I appreciate it.
1: All right, there's Jake Neighbors. Pretty good season with the Oil Kings. 70 points in 64 games, 23 goals, wants to improve his shooting percentage. And we have an answer, his answer to the money on the in the bathroom question. He told the team that asked him that he would pick up both the 20 off the floor and the $100 bill out of the toilet. Somebody actually texted that in. So you think like Jake. That's pretty cool. Uh, Vic says, I think the donut question was to a football player, maybe Mark Cordy. Yeah, Vic, you might be right. I, I, when I was talking to Jake, it popped into my head. Uh, there, there was a player in a pre draft interview. I believe he got, st- got asked if you were a donut, what type of donut would you be? Maybe it was Mark Cordy getting uh interviewed for the Canadian Football League draft. That's that's very possible, Vic. You probably have a better memory than I do. That I like, like Jake Davis said, I think they come up with these strange questions just to see how people can think on their feet. There's not a right or wrong answer. I think they just want to see if if people can think on their feet and and have a reason for doing something, and can have the social skills to keep the interaction going. Now, I guess in that environment, in an interview, if somebody asked you that question, you you feel like you have to answer it. If I was sitting somewhere having a pint, and someone said, "There's money," and the, like I I'd be like, "Just okay, don't talk to me. That's weird, dude." <laughs> I don't know if I would want to keep the interaction going but in a job interview, I suppose you have to prove that you could do it. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Vic also says, uh, I love hearing these young future stars in interviews. They always sound professional and relaxed. Yeah. Well, it's good talking to those guys, Vic. And uh, I think dealing with the public and dealing with the media is part of the thing that young athletes learn. And Jake neighbors was really good to talk to very, uh, very insightful. Went through a lot this summer waiting and trying to stay in shape and, he will be drafted. He will be drafted. Just a matter of the round and the team. It is 748-780-496-0063. Uh, man, is there going to be a competitive game? I-, I know there's a lot of time left, but eight minutes left in the second quarter, Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Well, Miami just got a three-pointer, but it is still 40-30 to for the Lakers after they got a blowout victory in Game 1. We'll keep you updated inside sports on 630 Chet. Weekend. Thanks for starting your Friday night with Inside Sports. I always appreciate it. We will have the NHL draft round one on Tuesday. Coverage will start at four. They'll start making the picks between 5 and 5.30. Oilers have the 14th overall pick. We do not know if they are going to hang on to it. Tyler Wright's the director of amateur scouting.
0: We're open to really anything at this point. Uh, 14, um, we obviously think, you know, I mean, you're still... You got to, you know, there's 13 picks that, that you kind of got to wait to see who goes before you, obviously. But, you know, we've we've got some guys targeted at, at 14. Uh, we've got trade-back scenarios. We've got trade-up scenarios, for that matter. We've got our third-round pick. we got to let Calgary know by the beginning of the third uh, whether we're going to use that pick or not. Um, so, I, I mean, I think we're going to have some options. Uh, we always have options, uh, whether we act on that. I'm not sure at this stage Um, you know, once the first round, you know, was over on, on Tuesday night, we'll reconvey with, you know, the staff and kind of see what's available here going forward and who we could think that might, might be able to slide into that third round. Um, And whether we make that decision um, probably won't be till the beginning of the third round, but um, we're going to have some options, obviously, Um, you know, either way, but, Really, right now, our strategy is is to make the pick at fourteen, and um, we think we're going to be adding a really good player into this into the organization.
1: Yeah. So, uh, look, obviously, Tyler Wright's not going to commit to anything. Uh, they're keeping their options open at fourteen. Uh, I, I personally, I doubt they trade up unless maybe they think, okay, we can go up to ten or eleven and and steal somebody away from another team if they really want them. If somebody's dropping a little bit. I I still really think there's a, a pretty significant possibility the Oilers trade down, maybe to get somebody late in the second round and maybe add a second rounder. I think they need to reclaim some picks that were moved away in uh, in other deals. Anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texture says, "Read back to the '60s was fun this morning. Flashback Fridays on six thirty Jet. did the '60s today? I guess that would, that would mean they uh, they do the '70s." One week from today, we should go back to like the 18, maybe on inside sports. We'll do a really far flashback Fridays. We'll go back to like the 1760s and talk about sports from that era. Be a lot of jousting. (laughs) It'd be a lot of jousting and, well, probably a little bit of golf. I think they were golfing in the 1700s. Um, I'm sure there was some form of soccer. Other than that, I'm going to have to Google sports in the 1700s. Yeah, I'm but about, empty there. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe jousting because we didn't still have knights in the 1700s, did we? That's uh, more of a medieval thing. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe some people were still jousting. There,
3: I know, maybe, there, I know there was a lot of land disputes and wars going on and that stuff. So maybe in amongst the troops, there might have been like some sort of form of boxing or something. Maybe. I, I well, oh
1: yeah, know. there would have been some form of boxing or or uh, you know physical. Physical uh, feats of strength. Trent says maybe a duel. That's right, Trent. We'll talk about <laughs> duels at dawn, or sunset, or high noon. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, that Trent. That's an outstanding idea. That's that's good. We're, we're, we're I, I love when we just come up idea, uh, with ideas in the middle of the show because they're always well developed and very mature, and we always follow through on them. <laughs> Trent, maybe you can co-produce that segment. We've got dueling. We got jousting. And some form of golf from the seventeen sixties. So that's what we'll do sure. on our very far flashback Fridays on 630 Shed. That that would be that would actually be cool to look into that. Uh I mean I mean there's there was organized there, there was certainly organized soccer and organized baseball in the eighteen hundreds mm-hmm. to some degree. I mean the, the when did the National League start? Eighteen I wanna say around eighteen eighty. I'm probably off by a few years. Trent's in, Trent's in to help produce that show. Yeah. <laughs> Because, Trent, with one idea, you're the leader in terms of ideas for, for that show that we're going to have. Oh, my God, we're done. It's time to I go. Was just getting, I was just getting excited about the 1760s. There's something I never thought I would say. Lakers up 43-36, 5.50 left. In the first half, uh, checking baseball. Padres up 2 0 in the seventh, on the Cardinals. Earlier, the Marlins beat the Cubs 2 0. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy's your studio producer. Really appreciate it that you tuned in tonight. My name's Reed. Take care. So if you want to join,